Copy. Jesus said nothing to condemn capital punishment as he hung on the cross, did he? If ever there was a time to go on record against the death penalty, wasn't it that night? Capital punishment is already the law in the state of Maryland. So what are we waiting for, fellow Christians? Let's just do it. Amen. How you doing? All standing. Let us pray and humbly confess our sins unto Almighty God. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against thee. By what we have done, and by what we have left undone, we are truly sorry, and we humbly repent, so that we may delight in thy will, and walk in thy ways to the glory of thy name. Amen. Amen. Welcome to the Film Effect Treatment. It's the Film Effect Podcast. I have sharpened up my blades. This cellular is being shredded with weapons. I've smoked a lot of fucking weed in my life. <laughs> I don't think I've ever scored weed at 8 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so we're kind of like an afternoon, you like drive time type thing. Or like the type of podcast you listen to at work. So let's get down to the nitty gritty. What is going on, everyone? Welcome to the Film Effect Podcast, a weekly show that deep dives into a different movie each episode in an effort to give it that full Film Effect treatment. I'm Ed. And if he's Ed, I must be Sean. And this must be Serial Mom. Life doesn't have to be ugly. Look at the birds out there. Listen to their call. Wee, wee. This is the story of Beverly Sutton. <laughs> Scramble eggs, anybody? A devoted mother. I'm so happy I could chip. You know how I hate the brown word. A loving wife. You think the kids are awake? We could be very quiet. I'm ready. Honey, you're hot tonight. (laughs) And a suspected murderer. Oh, kids, are you doing your homework? How did America's number one mom turn into one of America's most wanted? Is she really guilty? Are you a serial killer? Chip, the only serial I know anything about is Rice Krispies. Is she the only one with a motive? Believe that damn litter bugger. Give her a happy face. Or is there someone else? I'm stood up. I'll kill that jerk. With an axe to grind. You'll never get a boyfriend. Meanwhile, this small Baltimore suburb... Keeps getting smaller Ah! and smaller. It's been a crazy day, hasn't it? Savoy Pictures asks the burning question Is your wife mental? Is Beverly Sutton just a sweet suburban housewife? I don't know what it is about today, but I feel great. Cookie? Or is she. Serial Mom. Cool. Is she in a band? Kathleen Turner, Sam Waterston, and Ricky Lake. Serial Mom.
Every woman wants to be wanted. Just not for murder one. Beverly, I've read all about this. Is it menopause? Serial Mom is about the perfect all-American parent, a great cook and homemaker, a devoted recycler, and a woman who will literally kill to keep her children happy. Ah, so Serial Mom, the first of many, many John Hughes films we will be covering this year, throughout the year. You mean... You mean John Waters? What I say, John Hughes? John, yeah, no, you said John. I, I, hey man, that's a great way to throw out the Patreon because we're covering. I, know, I got, saying, you, I got you, John you got Hughes on the brain because you know we're covering him this month on the Film Effect Focus, and we were just yeah. talking about that before hitting the record button. So yes, the first of many John Waters films we will be covering this year. Um, I wanted to kick it off with a bang. This is my personal favorite Waters film, and just gonna throw that out there. Um, I'll throw this out there prior or after upon watching this again for like my umpteenth time for this episode it just staples that this my, my love for this movie is just endless I, I, I love so much about this movie I can't wait to talk about it I'm fucking excited what's your, what's your um, take no, I, well, I, uh, I, hang on hang on to your butt buddy because I'm not a fan of this no do no, not, don't, worry, don't, don't you worry. fucking I'm, dare I'm, listen, long kiss listen, goodnight listen, this listen, one. Listen, 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 listen. I'm knocking on long kiss goodnight. I don't have my celluloid scissors out, but it just, I don't know. This film, this film never really did it. I think this was the, uh, maybe my third time seeing it. It could very well only be my second. So is it a John Waters thing? No, no, no. I mean, I'm not a super huge fan of that sacrilegious when I was being from Baltimore and the fact that I'm into, you know, weird movies to begin with. But I I don't know. I just, like, I don't, I I get the satire behind it, but it it doesn't, it it doesn't strike me funny. Maybe it's a gener, maybe it's the generational thing because we got 10 years between us. You know, I don't know. You know, I've got a few things to say about it. Don't worry, dude. I'm not. I'm not ripping it to shreds. Put them you daggers know, away. Or, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to slice it to ribbons like I do with a few of the other titles we've covered on here. You know, it has a few redeeming qualities to it, but I am nowhere near as huge of a fan of this film as you are. It's you know, it's I don't know. Well, I mean, we'll you know, we'll talk about it, but yeah, it's just it doesn't do it for me the way it does it for you, buddy. Mm-hmm. All right, well. It'll be interesting to talk about. So, yeah. let's get into it. First time viewings. Uh, it's, it's just that. You see, this is actually uh, my, my first time. No, no, my first, it's my first time uh, since my first time. So, technically, that's my second time. And I don't, I don't, I don't want to suck at it. So, if I'm not up to... Uh, for me, I rented this uh, way back when it first came out. I, I remember... I rented it from the Perry Hall Blockbuster, and um, yeah, because I was just, you know, even though I was 10, 11 years old when it happened, I was still watching, you know, this obscure stuff. I wasn't familiar with John Waters, the filmmaker, um, 
you know, I, I, I had seen Crybaby, but I didn't know it was the same guy. You know, I didn't really have that. I couldn't connect filmmakers like I you know, obviously can now back then. But um, it, it was definitely a film I rented when it first came out from good old Blockbuster. So, you? It's probably his most accessible film, I would say. That and Crybaby. Uh, Hairspray, um, too. Me, my, yeah, okay. Yeah, because he kind of had that little run there where he... He, you know, he, he stopped being the weird, you know, gross-out hippie from Towson, you know, making films on a shoestring budget and kind of met the studio halfway, I guess. My first time viewing, I, I doesn't stand out. It was it was, it was, was either cable or, you know, I might have rented it when, you know, when it first dropped on home video because I was curious about the new John Waters output. But, you know, after that, you know, Nothing, nothing really, you know, stands out for me with it. Really doesn't. That's fair. All right, story time. Tell me a story. Wait. Like my story? No, not your story. A story. Since you can't keep your mouth shut long enough for me to read my paper, tell me a story. I don't think I know any stories. You don't know any stories? No. All right, I'll tell you a story. This is a newspaper, right? It's ninety percent bullshit, but it's entertaining. That's why I read it, because it entertains me. You won't let me read it. So you entertain me with your bullshit. Tell me a story right now. Go. You know, like you mentioned, Towson, Waters. To paint a picture, um, I'm in Perry Hall. Perry Hall is about five minutes south of Towson. No joke. And, you know, I can literally get to the house where, you know, the Supkins live um, in ten minutes flat from here. Um and that being said, I've been kind of teasing this, and I swear it's going to happen. Um, and I already have plans for it being um, kind of like the first. When we eventually roll out a YouTube channel down the road, uh, I, I want to get this um, little filming locations video in the bag for this movie because it's just so much of it was filmed, like, you know, around our neck of the woods. And, you know, I don't really see too many people doing it. So. I figured, what the hell? I'm sure someone's going to listen to this now and be like, light bulb. But no, fuck that. That's what I wanted to do with it, and that's what I still have plans on doing is uh, doing a little uh, locations video and you know putting it on our eventual YouTube channel. So um, because you know it's all right there, and it's just so easy. You know, I don't get many opportunities to go out in the wild and shoot stuff like that because I live nowhere near LA or you know, New York or, you know, stuff like that where a lot of the films are shot primarily. So, yeah, I mean, basically where we live, you can, you can't swing a dead cat no. without hitting a John Waters filming location. Right, right, right. Yeah, I see. You know? So yeah, that's definitely going to be uh, in the works. I am pretty excited about it. So look out for that. Um, honestly, it's not going to happen next week or the next month. It's probably going to be this summer sometime when it gets warmer out. I vowed to do it last fall before it got cold, but here here I am procrastinating away like usual. And uh, it's now 20 degrees outside during the day as a high. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not going outside to shoot no goddamn shit. <laughs> I will wait till it warms up. So, yeah, I'll come along with you. Just wait till we yeah, we'll we'll do it. Yeah, now. we'll do it like in like April or May. So yeah, it's like early summer we can get together. So yeah, that's that's that. Um, let's do the top five. Rob, it's your turn. Okay, I'm feeling kind of basic today. Top five side ones. 
track ones. Janie Jones, Clash, from The Clash. Mm. Let's get it on, Marvin Gaye from Let's Get It On. Nirvana, Smells Like Teen Spirit off of Nevermind. Oh no, Rob, that's not obvious enough, not at all. How about uh, Point of No Return on Point of No Return? Lewis, so you can uh, get up a... Shut up, shut up. <laughs> white Light, White Heat, Velvet Underground. Okay, that would be on my list. Though and not on mine. Massive Attack, No Protection, the song is Radiation oh. Ruling the Nation. So, top five films featuring a live performance by an actual band, either as themselves or a, you know, fictitious band. Um... I will start. My number five is Primus from Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Yeah. Oh, I, that almost. I have a, that almost made my list. I have an honorable mention. I forgot to mention that. Kiss from Detroit Rock City. Uh, I'll do you one better. Kiss meets a Phantom of the Park. I was thinking about putting that on there, but I've never, I've never <laughs> seen the movie. I've, I'm familiar with what no. it is, but I've never actually oh, seen God, it. Oh, God, it's such... It's it, it's so bad. It's good, man. It's such an atrocious piece of shit. Isn't the villain of that movie? We were just he was in the Matrix. He played the um, the the, the councilman. Uh, it's Anthony Zerb. Yeah, yeah. From the villain. We were just talking about Matrix uh, Resurrect or uh, Reloaded. Me and Corey and that yeah, Anthony yeah. Zerby. I to, I mentioned yeah, him, Anthony but I forgot Zerby. that he was from Phantom Meeks. Well, that was the funny thing. Now, now when it comes to that film, like that that was a made-for-TV movie. Yes. I remember. Um, I remember literally like being in front of the television that night. My parents were still married. I was probably maybe four or five. You know, my uncle, uh, my dad's brother, 10-year age difference between us. My, You know, my uncle Brian had turned me on to Kiss. He was, you know, 16. I was six, and he showed me this really cool <laughs> rock band with makeup and shit. And I was like, oh, cool. Made a movie and set in a theme park, and it's a but yeah, you sit down and watch it, dude. It's it's fun. It's a guilty pleasure of mine. That that was definitely on my honorable mention was Kiss Meets a Phantom of the Park, but it's yeah. There's so there, there's so many so many great stories about that film and how you know it's it, it, you really should sit down and watch it one day. Oh well, one of these days, once they put out a proper Blu-ray or something, I'll check it out. Yeah, it's. I mean, I, I, all I, I had it on VHS for a long time. I think it's all you can get now is maybe a VHS to DVD rip. Uh, my honorable mention. I don't even know if they're a real band, but that fucking band from Strangeland that shows up about halfway through. When, you know what I mean? When they go to the rock club looking for uh, looking for Captain Howdy. I don't even know. Was it, the, I, know, I, I know saw Strangeland one time 20 years ago. Uh, I do not remember. <laughs> um, okay. I remember vague things about that movie. I don't remember any band, that's for sure. Oh, I love that film. Gets a bad rap. I, 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 I love that movie. So what's your number five? Um, my number five is Oingo Boingo. I'm back to school. <laughs> I had a feeling you were going to put that on there. <laughs> yeah, I really you know, did. I was going to throw some, I, I throw some Danny Elfman, Ronnie Dangerfield. I knew ball. it. All right. <laughs> My number four is Cannibal Corpse from Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. They're the metal All right, band. now we're showing our age. Um, <laughs> uh, my, my number four is, is, is the Dan Band in old school. All right. Cool, cool, cool. My, I love the Dan Band's funny, man. Or you can just say the Dan Man, insert Todd Phillips film here. Yeah, dude, exactly. With this. Um, that was the first time I've ever seen him. And then I, they, they, I would love to see those guys live, man. That's got to be a good time. Yeah. My number three is a band who I have seen live before. The Money Money Boss Tunes from Clueless. 
Oh, yeah, I forgot they were in that. Hell yeah, man. It's good stuff. Wow. Yeah. They're the band that club scene. Yeah, I remember that. Mine uh, mine is that uh, that cameo appearance at the end of Bridesmaids by Wilson Phillips. I don't know why. <laughs> Bridesmaids is a funny movie. It is. It and is. when they just, they just, it's a, it's a, especially that Lorena version. Like, that brings me to tears. And uh, when, when they just show up at the end at the wedding mm-hmm. and they're all on stage jamming out, it always brings a, you know, a, a, a happy tear to my eyes. So, yeah, that was my number three. Wilson Phillips and Bridesmaids. Well, would have been number three. That's... I thought you said four. I misheard you. My bad. No, I said three. Uh, I said my three. bad. That's on me. Uh, my number two is The Offspring from Idle Hands. Anytime I get to see Dexter Holland get killed by a severed hand, I'm okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> Again, we're showing our age. I'm bringing it back to Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. Morris uh, Day in the motherfucking, motherfucking time. time. Hell yeah, baby. I love it. So my number one... I have a strange feeling is the same number one as you. Uh-huh. Is your number one Rush from I Love You, Man? Cause nope. Wow. Well, slapping no. the bass. Of course that's not my number one. I, I love Rush from that movie. I, mean, that, I feel like that movie kind of revitalized that band. Not that they needed a you know a career, you know, Revitalization. No, you know, I actually, I, I saw him. I saw him in concert. I've uh, never before, seen Rush. I'm, I never will, obviously now, but unfortunately, mm, yes, I, I saw him on the vapor, uh, the vapor trails tour up at Maryway. Ah, fuck you! Of the uh, thousands of bands like I've seen, years ago, I've never seen them. So, yeah. yeah. So what's your number one then? If it ain't Rush, oh, man, come on, dude, Prince and the Revolution, baby. Okay. Couple rain. Okay. All right. All right. A lot of prints on this list on your side. A lot of prints. Well, it's like I said, we're showing our showing our age here. Yeah. I mean, that whole film is the band. You know? Oh, yeah. I love me some Purple Rain. Love that. I mean, you could have said fucking Michael Jackson and Captain EO, and I would have accepted it. <laughs> I saw that. I actually saw that, though. The, the, so one, did I. the one day I ever spent at Disney. I, I, the, the only time I've ever been to Disney World, we went to Florida to visit a friend, and his dad treated us to a day at Epcot, and I saw the Captain EO spectacle. Correction, I saw half of it, but then once Angelica Houston showed up with her claws coming up my face, I had my face buried in my fucking grandmother's arm. <laughs> I, I checked out at that yeah, point. Cause it was, yeah, because it was one of those like 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 4D experiences, I think. Dude. Like the seats moved into 3D. Her makeup in that film still freaks me out. Damn's creepy. It man. still Damn's is. I, you can go, you know, Google still to that movie and like Angelica Houston, Captain EO, it's the freakiest shit ever. Like, ah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was about nineteen. You had them at what eight or nine? Um, I was definitely five because it was eighty nine. Okay. I was five. Well, because it it ran for a good while. It was back in yeah. ninety, probably ninety two. Then they brought it back after he passed away. Oh, did they really? They brought the whole yeah. the whole thing. Back? It's gone now. But they did bring it back for like several years. Right. Um. So yeah. All right. Well, shit. Let's take things to the film effect. So we're treated to some on-screen text before the film starts. It says, uh, this film is a true story. The screenplay is based on court testimonies, sworn declarations, and hundreds of interviews conducted by filmmakers. Some of the innocent characters' names have been changed in the interest of a larger truth. 
No one involved in this in the crimes received any form of financial compensation. Um, this is a fucking cliche. We see this so much, even today in movies. Like, I know what Waters is doing here. You know, I don't. Yeah, it's he's it's total bullshit. Yeah. He's just he's he's satire making a the, mockery the of it, crime. right? Because that was and, big at the time. With, 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 his, with his schlocky sense of humor. Right. I mean, because it was like, you know, you had your um, Law and Order, and then this was 94, so right down the street in Phyllis Point, they were filming Homicide still, you know. Right. The, name, the names have been changed to protect the innocent. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that was your disclaimer. I mean, hey, shit, look, it worked for Toby Hooper in, in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. You know, I believed that shit for the longest time when I was a kid. Hey, man, I wonder if that new one's going to have a crawl or a scroll. I don't know, dude. What's that? We, we only got a couple. We, we got, what, about a month, right? I think it's the 22nd or something like that. Yeah, see, I, I know it's I know it's in February, so we got about six weeks. So yeah, I'm forward to that. so am I. I don't know why. I shouldn't be, but I am. We should get together over here. We should, we should make a thing out. We should. We, we, we will. Yeah. Because I don't have Netflix, you do. So I'm definitely coming over yeah, there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mandy, Mandy and I are going to be digging in that night, if not. But if you want to wait till the next, because I'm guessing it's a Friday. Whatever so you do, just wait for me. I'll make it work. All right. Well, if you can't make it here Friday night, we'll do, we'll, we'll do it. We'll do it that Saturday. Oh, I will make it there. I'll wait that a day Friday if you night. Wanna... All right, that's cool. I'll, I'll wait till you get here. We'll do, we'll do, we'll do it opening night. We'll we'll have a little screening in a new Texas Chainsaw here in my place. Cool. Anyone else listening? Want to come? Come on down. Yeah. All right, so opening credits. We get this like happy, cheerful opening score set to the credits with a blue, cloudy backdrop. Um, then the camera pans down on the Sutphins residence, that that good old house that I've been to numerous times. Uh, family breakfast. Uh, so we're introduced to Ricky Lake is the is the 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 daughter Missy. Uh, Matthew Lillard in his first like big role um, as Chip. Uh, her husband Eugene is Sam Watterson from Law and Order, <laughs> whose daughter Catherine was just an inherent voice that we covered a few weeks back. Yeah, yeah. And of course, Beverly Sutphin, played by Kathleen Turner, who. Where the hell did she go? Where the hell did Kathleen Turner go? I mean, I've s- seen her recently, and she looks nothing like. And I, this is this is not a derogatory, you know, like remark I'm making about her. I'm just kind of putting it out there that you know she doesn't look the same today. No, she. I mean, I'm glad she's still getting a little bit of work. She just did not age well as some of her peers around, you know, that have been working for as long in the industry. She's she's put on a lot of weight. You know, because she just kind of disappeared, and as well, the thing is, I mean, her her I don't want to say her appearance changed, but she no, is, but no, this is before know, her appearance changed. Face this happened. Re- as, that's when I think it, it, it. She really stopped getting offers was because she I, I I I don't I don't want to sound like a you know a bigot, but I mean she got she got big man. She got you know she used to be kind of milfy, and now she's like, uh, she she showed up. I don't know. All right, so yeah, some TV show I was watching, she played um, the the main character's mother in a couple of episodes, and I can't think of what TV show it was. Well, I, was I remember she was. I recall she was in Dumb and Dumber Two because she. Yeah, she was the uh, Frida Felcher. Yes, wasn't she? she was Frida Felcher. Okay, and then she 
Um, I don't know. It, <laughs> that, was, that was that bit with the doorbell. Wanted yeah. The one that had me on the fucking floor when you shoot yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> that bit with the doorbell just had me fucking roll. Dude, Double Number Two is fucking funny. I don't care what anyone says. I'm going to go on record right now and say this once again. Double Number Two is fucking funny. Um, Serial Mom, I don't know if you watched the beer, the, the bonus features of the Scream Factory desk I, I laid on you for this episode. I, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't look at anything. There was a... Okay, because one of the new features is... Um, well, when I say new, I think this edition came out in 2018. So it was like four years ago. But it was Waters with a sit-down with... Um, I think it was uh, Patty Hearst, I want to say. Or... Um, Someone or the, or the woman who plays Dottie, um, but Kathleen Turner was there, and right. you know, and, and she's, it, you know, the whole you know appearance aside, her voice has gotten really raspy and like it always has been. She's always had this unique like like raspy voice, but like yeah, it's like really sexy, smoky, but voice. it's really like it, it's kind of some. So I'm, I'm I'm looking I'm looking at her IMDb and the show that I was thinking of where I said she played somebody's mom, um, it was a show that Mandy and I were watching on Hulu that Aaron Paul show The Path, which was kind of oh, like I remember you yeah I remember show. you telling me to watch that it was there was a good show and then like I I just like lost my Hulu subscription so I never finished it she's in a couple episodes there, but then um, I forgot that she did a, a chunk of a season of that Kaminsky method with. Um, with Michael, Michael Douglas, Douglas and uh, Alan and um, Alan Arkin. Right. That show's funny too. If you ever get a chance to watch that, that's a, that's a funny show. No, I've never seen that. Um, yeah, I don't really watch too many Hulu shows. I did watch a show on Hulu a few years back, uh, based on that 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 girl whose mother played by who's played by Patricia Arquette. Oh yeah. The, um. The whole Munchausen by proxy. Yes, yes. Dee Dee and Gypsy or whatever. Gypsy, yes. That was good. I liked yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mandy watched that. Mandy watched it because she I watched she it. watches all that. She's you know I told you she's into all yeah. that ID child right. murder. Right, 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 right. So she's seen a probably eight hours worth of documentaries about them too, and then they made the miniseries. She was watching that. Um, um, but yeah, the Kaminsky method is I think Netflix. But it is. It is. The path that was on Hulu. Yeah, that's it was. Yeah, they're both Hulu shows that we're talking about. Um, so uh, Beverly is all about. Well, she's not all about. She's she's really big on gum, like or rather, not chewing gum. Uh, tells Missy. Yeah, her husband's a dentist, so she's yeah. You know, she's like your typical June Cleaver. Exactly, and that's the image that you're getting. That's that's exactly the image that that Waters is going for with this opening yeah, breakfast scene. Yeah, these yeah the, the whole family's like the Cleavers, you know. Except for, you know, you know, Chip's a nice guy. He's not quite innocent. Well, he's, he's got this horror obsession, dad, exactly. Yeah, he asked his dad if he's ever seen Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and Beverly's eyeing up a fly while Chip's talking about Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Um, and then he mentions That's one we should cover. He mentions his te- yeah. He mentions his teacher, um, Mr. Stubbins, and he hates him. And then uh, Beverly makes that says that line, you know, don't say hate, son. It's hate's a serious word. 
Um, and then she kills this fly, and this fucking fly just explodes with blood. Like, I've killed flies yeah. in my time, and then plenty of them, and I've never seen one explode with blood, like, almost jelly-like. I fucking love it. It's so over the top. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, even with this breakfast scene, and, and knowing, you know, the, the clear satire and, and, and goofiness that Waters is going for. Like, you're not on board with this? Like, it's not hitting you? It's, I mean, I, I see it, I get it, but it doesn't make You're me seeing laugh. through it. It doesn't. I'm seeing straight through it. I even saw straight through it, you know, my first time. Like, it's not tickling my funny bone. Okay. I have respect for it. And, you know, I'm not knocking those who do enjoy it, but it's just, it's not something that makes... That brings a chuckle out of me. I don't think I laughed once, maybe, maybe once, maybe twice during this viewing when I was, you know, taking my notes for this. So a couple. So we get these two detectives who show up like sporadically throughout this movie. Um, it's uh, Pike and Gracie are the two names, and of course they come in chewing gum, gotta spit it out. They're they're there to talk about Dottie Hankel. Now she's the neighbor. Um, down the road who's receiving harassing phone calls and obscene letters warning her and calling her pussy face so it's got this fucking like note that's you know how the whole deal is you take out random letters from clippings and you and you make like you know letterings and it says uh you know it, it calls her pussy face and shit like that and it's got a smiley face on the corner <laughs> like this isn't making you laugh like this is funny shit dude come on no i, t- I tell you i tell you what made me laugh is is when i anytime i see that trope in a movie you know where they where they where they put the letter you know where they put the note together with with right. you know letters. letters clipped out of newspapers it, it it brings me back to that that John Candy movie. Who's Harry Crumb? Ah, yes. Because they're going over. They're going over. The, <laughs> they got a similar <laughs> note, and he's like, "You find that crazy typewriter. You found your killer." <laughs> That's what makes me laugh. As I think back to that scene, and I'm laughing at Who's Harry Crumb. Oh man. So there's this bit here with Beverly, who, by the way, is like obsessed with bird calling. That's her thing, and she's got doing this like. Ooh-wee, ooh-wee thing with the birds while the yeah. fucking the, the detectives yeah, are and, like, and the birds are singing back to her through the kitchen window. Right, right. And then um, Ship's friends, Birdie and Scott, show up to pick them up. And uh, Birdie gets out. Now, Birdie's like this like Tom girl, a tomboy, who's like just... I don't know if she's like Chip's love interest or like just best friend or what's going on here. Yeah, no, I'm thinking I'm thinking they work together at the video store and they got a little, you know, fling going on, a little high school fling going so on. So she's got this peewee doll and I guess Missy can sell anything for her because she just like gives her this doll and says, here, take this doll of mine and go to the flea market and sell it for me as you're there. Because apparently that's where yeah, they're now, all going. Yeah, at first they called it, a, at first she, they referred to it as a swap meet. I'm like, ain't no damn swap meets in Baltimore. <laughs> flea market. Right. Then they start referring to it as a flea market. I'm like, okay, you know, pass giving. Right. Um, and then uh, this guy Carl shows up because uh, the previous scene at the breakfast table Missy was talking about this guy Carl and and how you know he says that she should lose ten pounds and shit like that. And then Carl shows up and they refer to her. They refer to him as her date. And he's like, yeah, I'm more of a friend. So he's playing the I'm just a friend card. Um, and it's just we're we're just setting up for a bit later on with this this whole ordeal here. Uh, and then we get 
Come on, dude. You're not thinking this shit's funny here with Beverly calling Dottie. Cocksucker residence? God damn you, stop calling here. Isn't this 4215 pussy way? You bitch! Now let me check the zip code. 212 fuck you! Is this the cocksucker residence? You're not laughing at this. Not, uh, no, no. I, I, I'm, I'm not. Okay. I'm, not, I'm okay, really not. Okay. I mean, like I said, I'm, I, I get it, but it's not making the, the me. whole zip code bit. 212 fuck you. Like, uh, I got a kick out of that. Yeah. Yeah, cause our our zip code here it, it is two one two. So, um, right, it sure is. That's 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 the joke. That's it's a Baltimore joke. You won't get it if you were living in like Oregon watching this movie. So, right. <clears throat> a lot of inside Baltimore humor. That's that's another reason why I love John Waters so much. So, there's this other neighbor now, Rosemary, who just lets herself inside while Beverly is calling uh, Dottie with these obscene calls and shit. So she, yeah, Rosemary's played by uh, was it Mary Jo Cramplett? Uh, she, she played Pearl on Different Strokes. Yeah, and she does the voice of Miss Puff on SpongeBob. Yeah, yeah, that's right. She does the she right. does the SpongeBob. Uh -huh. I forget. So she's let's and Dottie's played by John 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 Waters staple Mink Stole. Yes, she's, you know all alt vibe punk rocker from Baltimore back in the seventies, and she just became kind of like a mom and started doing. Dude, this roles. this movie is like. It's it's all the Waters regulars are here. They all show up. Mink Stoll, um, Patty Hearst, Tracy Lords, Mary Vivian mm -hmm. Pierce, um, mm -hmm. you know, um, Bridget Berlin, Susan Lowe. They they're all here mm -hmm. in this movie in different parts. You know, some are just and then even some of the other supporting parts at at that time were like local uh, uh, like television personalities. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. You know, they, they didn't necessarily work with Waters all the time, but they were, you know, they, they were, you would see them on the weekends on, you know, on like Saturday morning shows on like WJZ. Exactly. So again, uh, Rosemary lets herself in, uh, almost catches Bev in the act, but Bev's now, at this point, Bev's portraying someone from the phone company. And she gets her to say cocksucker out loud. Come on, I even have in my notes this is the funniest shit. Because I'm having a hoot and holler with this scene here. When she calls back and gets her... As, she's playing all innocent as the phone company operator. And she's like, yeah, you have to say it for the record. And she's like, okay. Cocksucker. <laughs> Come on, dude. You're not laughing. I'm not. All right, I'm really all right, not, all right. Like, I'm like just you swinging said, I'm and miss. through it. Yeah, I'm just seeing through it. No, it's not making me laugh. I'm, I can see why it's, it makes other people laugh. So right at Bev's... But it's just, it's not doing Right it. as Bev's hanging up, Rosemary lets herself in. All for a sewing basket with a rather large pair of scissors on top. Um, And then she's talking about Dottie Hinkle and then what's happening. And she's like, who on earth would want to harass poor Dottie Hinkle? And then we find out why Dottie's being harassed. She's harassing Dottie because she stole Bev's spot at a fucking Joanne, or yeah, she she stole Bev's spot at a Joanne Fabrics. Now we can talk about Joanne Fabrics all we want, but I want to call attention to the Sizzler in the background. You notice that? Yeah, because that's the uh, that's the old rugged warehouse shopping center, man. Where is that shopping center at? 
Oh god! It looks so familiar. I was like, I know I've seen oh, this dude, before. Oh, dude, you don't know where it's at? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, oh god, what's the name of the road? It's on because uh, it's it was on the corner of Joppa and oh, shit. What is it, babe? It's up by yeah, it's, yeah. Mandy's right. It's it's up by Waltham Woods. So it's the it's the 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 shopping center itself is intersection of um. There was a Sherwin Williams paint store there. Mm-hmm. Used to be a Sizzler back in the day. It's a different restaurant now. In fact, that's uh, that's the restaurant that um, when the Ravens lost that f- uh, first round of the playoffs a couple years ago, that's where Mandy and I were watching the game. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, it's it's. I think the road starts with an R. But yeah, it was it's it's kind of like up just past where Guitar Center is. Oh yeah, I know exactly. That's why it looks familiar. That's why it looks familiar. It's Lock Raven Drive and Joppa Road. Pretty yeah. much, pretty much, yeah, yeah. And it's up over like sure. I I I, I doubt the Sherman Williams. It is. It actually is. Okay, so that's it. That's okay. that shopping center. And I my first time at first time I wanted to say it was rugged warehouse. Because at first I wanted to say it was down by where Beltway Movies is, where he shot Cecil B. Demented. No, no, no. Because no, there was a Sizzler no. there, which Carabas is now in that building. Yeah, no, it's not there. Uh, I know now. So okay, and shit, I lost my place. Oh no. Okay, so <laughs> yeah, that's that. All this is because she took a spot. In front of a joint fabrics. That's it. It's 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 as stupid as that, but you're seeing through it. That's okay. Can't they all can't all be winners, Sean? No. <laughs> Beverly's PA. Uh, she there's this PTA meeting for Chip's teacher, Mr. Stubbins. Beverly goes to, and we're introduced to a couple of future victims, Ralph and Betty Sterner, um, and. The teacher, Stubbins, points out Chip's unhealthy obsession with sick horror movies, he says, and points the finger on his home life, believing that Beverly's parenting is to blame and it's affecting his mental health. So, you know, are, are teachers even allowed to say out loud that they recommend mental therapy the way this dude does? <laughs> like, I don't know. You, you probably don't know the answer to that because you don't even have kids, so. Well, anyway. Well, they, I mean, they, they... They definitely can't now. They used to kind of skirt that line, but but I don't think they could even get away with it in 94. 28 years ago. I don't think much has changed, so I'm going to go with big, fat fucking hell no. Anyway, he's dead. <laughs> she fucking runs him up outside and runs him over outside of the car um, while this uh, the, this this stoner girl, Luann, is watching from behind a tree smoking a J. So, Stubbins, I want to point out, he just... Looks like your typical Tom from the 70s, 80s Laurent horror flicks, like the inspirations behind this movie, like your your William Castles or your Herschel Gordon Lewis's, like you're just like your business guy with a handlebar, not a handlebar mustache, but just like this like Laurent mustache and shit. I don't know. It's kind of like a John Waters look minus the thin mustache. Um... And then immediately after she hits him, she goes around the corner and washes the car at the the local car wash. Um, and then she goes home. Birdie, Chip, they're watching Blood Feast with Scotty. So Scotty's played by Justin Whalen. When I first saw this movie back in '94, I actually was he was the one person in this movie I was familiar with because I had just I, I was a big Child's Play three fan, and he played Andy Barkley in that movie. Did you know that? 
Uh, no, I did not. Um, I, I, I do have a comment because Chip says that Blood Feast is the Citizen Kane of gore movies. Yes, he does. And I'm going to argue that Blood Feast is not the Citizen Kane of gore movies. Uh, this coming from a guy who has the almost the entire Herschel Gordon-Lewis collection on DVD. So if you're going to use Herschel Gordon-Lewis as the benchmark for gore flicks, I'm going to say his 2000 Maniacs is the Citizen Kane of gore movies. Blood Feast running a close second, you know, but... Blood Feast was cool. Don't get me wrong. No. Um, but I think 2000 Maniacs deserves more love. No, it's it's funny you mention that because... Uh, and the Wizard of Gore. The Wizard of Gore runs, you know, it's pulling up third there. No, the um, I was just watching a video last week on YouTube from... There's this guy I follow on YouTube called The Cinema Snob. And he'll, he'll mm. do like these like... Like reviews on like these like just low end like brash films and stuff, and he just did Two Thousand Maniacs, and I was just watching that. So it's funny you mentioned that on this. Um, that's all. Yeah, that was <laughs> arguably probably one of the first. Hard, like I remember my I... uncle showing me that when I was like eight, maybe nine years old. He's like, "Watch this thing," and for years I just had these images of you know, because the whole thing is. Basically, it's Brigadoon set in a sadistic southern town, and all the murders happen around like carnival yeah. attractions and stuff. And I just distinctly remember the barrel roll with the you know, big ass spikes in the barrel. Did you ever see 2001 Maniacs with Robert England? Uh, I was going to say, well, because Eli Roth tried to try to scoop up and, and redo those because didn't he have Bill Mosley in one of them too? Yeah, but I, I don't. I'm not a fan of the sequel that Bill. Well, the, actually, it's the third one. Technically. I'm not. A, I'm not a. I'm not a fan of the other one either. No, but it's got I'm some like, cool kills. I'd rather watch. It's got some cool. I'd kills. rather watch. I'd rather watch the 1966 original twice before I watch either one of those. Nah, I, I was I was kind of a fan of the the England one because it had some pretty unique kills. Other than that, it was nothing special. Um, so yeah, yeah. Get back on topic here. Where the fuck are we? Um, yeah, Justin Whalen. So he was uh, a lot of people were gonna remember him as Jimmy Olsen from. The Adventures of Lois and Clark, Lois and Clark, Lois and uh, yeah, Clark. I was right. Um, that ABC show from the '90s, he was on there. But yeah, he was Andy Barkley in Child's Play three, and that's how this horror guru remembers him as. And so yeah, I was like, hey, look, it's Barkley in this John Waters comedy horror thingy. So who clearly you do not remember. Um, what the fuck? I mean, he never stood out. Like I'm, I'm not a, you know, I'm not as big into the Child's Play franchise as you are. Um, you want, you want a big like, Superman fan in the '90s? Uh, I watched that show a couple of times. Isn't it the one where, where Terry Hatcher? Yeah, Lewis? yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I remember it when it was when it was on. I watched a couple episodes, you know, when it was still on when I was in high school. But you know. huh? all right. Um. So yeah, Blood Feast, and then. This scene, it's I like it's kind of a transitional shot with the bloody heart being ripped out, and then it cuts to, it's it's got that plus the combination of uh, Chip's what the fuck look on his face because 
his mom wants to come. His mom comes home and is watching. Uh, send the, she sends Birdie and Scotty home, and then she asks Chip to put on the you know the, that that favorite part that they like to watch together. And she, yeah, she tells him to rewind it. She wants to see the the the. the it's like like a Herschel Gordon Lewis did it with like a cow's tongue, or a sheep's liver, or something. Right. What that scene? And was. she's all like mesmerized by it, and Chip's like looking at her like, "What the fuck is this all about?" And then it cuts to yeah, and then it transitions the from right to her dropping a meatloaf on the yeah. table. So it's dinner time, and Missy says Carl's suggesting she loses ten pounds. But is told to do. She's told to do whatever makes her happy. And then I wrote the quote here that I always say out loud to this day from Chip. He's like, "So happy I could shit." Ladies and gentlemen, the perfect meatloaf. Looks good, Mom. Nothing like a home cooked meal, honey. Oh, Misty, I made you your favorite sesame broccoli. Yeah, Carl says if I lose 10 pounds, he'll take me to the University of Maryland Memorial Day Beach Blast. Well, I, I think that's great if you want to lose weight, but I. I think you should do it for yourself, not for some boy you hardly even know. Carl's a jerk. He certainly drives like a jerk. Carl makes me happy, and that threatens his family, doesn't it? Doesn't threaten me, honey. I'm happy. I'm happy, too. We just want you to be happy. So happy I could shit. Yeah, Rosemary, the neighbor, runs over. Rosemary. Um... Do you think he named her Rosemary in this movie because of, you know, Rosemary's baby? You think? It's possible. Think? I mean. I don't know. Maybe. I think this was like. Possibly. Waters was going through like a, like a horror phase at this time of his career. Because he never really did anything else that was like this. You know, this is kind of like. Well, what would you say Serial Mom is for, with as far as like the rest of John Waters movies? Like, do you. It's, it's, it's full on satire. Do you. I mean, a lot of his stuff is considered satire, but I wouldn't even consider it. I mean, I guess you consider it a comedy. By no means is it a horror comedy. There's very little gore to it. You know, no jump skin, nothing that, you know, that stands out as far as. Yeah, know, but no, I don't know. I think. A horror scene. I, I kind of disagree because, like, yeah, it's not, like, overly gory. I wouldn't even say it really is gory, but the scenes that, like, like the scenes coming up that we're gonna talk about with the the urinal, and you know the 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 liver on the poker, stuff like that, and the cat's tongue like we just saw the the, the shot from Blood Feast, and uh, that you know that transitions into the meatloaf the meatloaf, and then um, it just it's it's not overly gory at all, but I I definitely feel like he was still going for like. Like a like an homage to you know to, to to such filmmakers that I mentioned to to a bunch of different filmmakers. Christ, um, I think this was kind of like a pay, a period or a phase that Waters was going through, and he was just kind of like wanted to tackle that genre for like one of his movies. Whereas you know Hairspray, uh, I I don't, I don't know he was he he liked he, he kind of went through a musical phase with Hairspray and Crybaby, you know. Um, well, those uh, that, that that was you. You got to figure that was the era that he grew up in. You know, in in, in Baltimore was uh, the late fifties and early sixties. So those those two are basically companion pieces, like love letters, because of the set, right? Yeah, love letters mm-hmm. to and and granted, 
you know, written in, in John Waters' handwriting, only the way John Waters could write it, you know. Um, but as far as this, I, 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 I would honestly just consider it satire. But then, you know, I, I, I can't really speak on Pecker because I've never seen Pecker. We'll, we'll cover that later on this year, and I'll eventually see it um, for the episode. But until then, I'll skip over that. But getting to Cecil B. Demented, that came out in 2000. That was when, like, the world was in a crazy place. And that's a fucking crazy movie. Not the craziest. That's, that's his, that, to me, that's his, that's his almost, like, exploitation. Right. I, I agree with that. But I think that I, there's a, co- it's, it's not a coincidence, you know, the timing of the film when it came out. And, you know, when he dropped that on, you know, the masses whoever did see it right plus it's about the industry that he works in right, so there was right. there, there was exactly. some you know there's some underlying stuff there that that we'll dig into when we when we cover that one down the road exactly so you know it's it's kind of like waters what I'm getting at though is waters goes through phases and it's kind of funny that his final film i mean it's can we say a Dirty Shames' his final film, or does he think he has one more in him? It's been it was twenty years, and no signs of him going back to filmmaking at all. He's never. I, yeah, I mean, he's he's still out there. He still does a lot of you know the. Uh, he does. He's still he does with, shows. You know, he does like he, with the the film festival downtown right. every year. But and, he doesn't. He does his spoken word. He doesn't stuff. do like he doesn't make movies though anymore. Like this, his last yeah, movie no, was like, in two thousand four. Yeah, you know, we'll, we'll right. cover that too uh, coming up. But what I was getting at is, it's I don't. I think there's something to be said about how a dirty shame his last movie, he went back to that, like, lowbrow, like, dirty humor that he was known for back in, like, the 60s and 70s and early 80s. Yeah, yeah, I'll agree he, with you He kind of went full I'll circle, you, you know? That's, that's what yeah. I'm kind of getting I mean, maybe at. he's, you know, maybe he got it out of his system because he spent, what, he spent, like, a couple of years just, like, hitchhiking. Remember that? No, I don't. Actually, I die. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I do yeah, not yeah, remember yeah. One, that. One too long ago. Yeah, one too long ago, he literally just decided he, you know, he literally just thumbed his way around the country because there was, you know, people like I remember like just seeing stuff online of people taking, you know, photos with John Waters because they had just given him a ride from like Denver to Utah or something. Yeah, he he went he just basically he thumbed around the country for a year or two not too long ago. Wow. I'm, and then, you know, when he came back and settled back into his estate up there in Ruxton or wherever he lives, you know, started doing this, you know, the, the, what is he, the, he does it every year, like the evening with John Waters. Doesn't he do like a Christmas thing? He does two. Down at the Hippodrome or no, something? No, he does two at the soundstage. He does one uh, for Christmas and he does one uh-huh. for Valentine's Day, which is coming up. Oh, okay. okay. So they're kind of close to one another. Also, he kind of knocks them out like a month and a half apart and then that's it. But he's and then but he's and he's still involved with uh with with the Maryland Film Festival every summer. Yeah, and that's in May. That at down at Michael. Yeah, that's that's every May. He, I know he's involved in that, or he was at least uh, at least an ambassador. Yeah, like kind of like a like sits as a, he held a chair. He's, like an, he's an ambassador. Um, and yeah, because I don't. I mean, it's John Waters. He can do whatever the fuck he wants at this point in his career. You know, he's he's a fucking legend. 
not just for Baltimore, just in in general. Yeah, he's, he's like he's like fucking. God just he's said, the new age God Andy just Warhol. Said, Fuck it all went hitchhiking for a couple of years. Of course he can. Exactly. So you know, you do you. Yeah, John. look that shit. Yeah, look that shit up at some point. Just oh, like, I will. Just like Google John Waters hitchhiking, and there's different blog posts and stuff, and like people just like taking photos of him in their car. You know, he just picked up a guy, you know, thumbing down, you know, Interstate 66, happened to be John Waters. Right. But yeah, so I like to, I like getting out and meeting people. So. Um, you're not a fan of the bedtime scene with Eugene and Bev having jumpy sex. <laughs> yeah, it was again, dude. They were literally bouncing. They time. literally fucking bouncing on the bed. I know. Like I said, none of it makes me laugh. I see there's humor there, but it's it's it, it's not the kind of humor that gets a chuckle out of me. All right. So what do we this bad man? What are the two things that made that that, that you laughed at that you liked about this movie? You said there were two things. What were they? Um, one of them was at the beginning. What the hell it was? Um, the other one was a line delivered later, or it's like she's armed and she's fucking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, like I, that was where I audibly chuckled the other night. I'm like, ha! when she comes whipping around the corner, like she's armed and she's fucking nuts. Like that line made me laugh. The, that was it. The funniest part of this movie, in my opinion, or at least it was the part that made me laugh the hardest watching it just now. Um, we'll get to it. It hasn't happened yet. And it's it's the most random, stupidest thing that it's yeah. But there's a reason for it. So, um, so while bird watching, Bev sees Rosemary telling the detective something while pointing at her house, and then. Eugene, meanwhile, gets called in by Ralph and Betty Sterner, the, the the couple we met outside the office at the uh, or the uh, yeah the classroom at the PTA meeting. So, yeah, and the guy that plays Ralph was at least one of those local TV personalities. I think he had used to have like a I think it was like a real estate show on on like you know Saturday morning showing new homes. Yeah, either one. I mean, he was um, he was either one Fox or WJZ at around like ten a.m. Yeah, on it, Sundays. It was, yeah, that, or I think he did like you know he he, he would do like a, like a, like kind of like a a little five minute segment on you know that weekend's new movie release or whatever. On, yeah, on, on the morning. Right, 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 weekends. right. So I like Chip's hilarious wake up call with Bev. Like she just suddenly starts marching into his room and aggressively and quickly yells down into his ear to wake up. He gets up like, what the hell is that? Uh, and then we see Missy crying because Carl stood her up. Uh, and then she's, well, Missy's, uh, not Missy, uh, Beverly's walking, looking outside. The detectives are going through her recycles. And then Scotty, who doesn't wear his seatbelt, as Bev was always quick to point out, he's pulling up, <clears throat> excuse me, while the detectives are questioning Bev about the murder, saying that the MVA, need, the MVA says that she's the only parent of a student with a blue station wagon at that school. And I like how Eugene dismisses the detectives and tells them Bev doesn't know about the accident and she corrects him with murder. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Bev and the trash man, these two guys are picking up the recyclables and she comes out with a bag and then they're just shooting the shit about Rosemary and she's like, they, they watch over her messing with her trash and she refuses to recycle. So, the one guy is like, I hate Mrs. Ackerman. And Bev's like, I hate her too. And he's like, 
I think someone ought to kill her. And she's like, for the sake of this planet, someone just might. Wait for me, boys. Here, all rinse and ready to recycle. Good morning, Miss Sutton. Good morning, guys. Good morning, Sophie. You know, you boys work so hard for the environment, I thought I'd bring you something. A little drink never hurt anybody. Thank you, ma'am. <laughs> Damn, that's good stuff. You believe that goddamn litter bugger? Oh, I have told her and told her. It takes 90 to 100 years for a tin can to decompose, and she still won't recycle. Cost the taxpayers millions of dollars last year, but she don't care nothing about the national budget. I hate Mrs. Ackerman. I hate her, too. I hate her guts. You know, somebody ought to kill her. Yeah. Give her a happy face. Then recycle her. For the sake of this planet, somebody just might. Dude, this shit's fucking funny. I'm sorry. I'm sorry you don't find it funny. It sucks. It sucks. No, no. It's, I'm, I'm trying to look at uh, look at, at, at the cast list on this because the 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 one the because the, the trash man is played by a white guy and a black yeah. guy, and the white guy was another one of those local personalities. Um, and I'm trying to figure out what it would because I re I recognized him right away the first time I watched it. Um, Are you sure he was a local personality or not? Just like a one of those guys who just pops up in random comedies. No, no, I saw, no, I saw, I saw him on like local stuff, like talking. Oh, okay, I gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I definitely remember that. I mean, now we're talking late eighties, early nineties. You know, because it's just like um, the most bizarre dialogue, but the way they fucking deliver it, I've always just at least chuckled at. I think someone ought to kill her. <laughs> Um, and then we, the, we got this bit with Bev looking through the window at, at Rosemary's house, kind of turning the tables on her as she's always walking into her own home. Now she's just spotting on her window. And her and Dottie are watching Joan Rivers on TV. And then um, she comes in. They, they see her poking her head at the window, and they invite her in real quick. And, and then this is the... Uh, uh, how? What the hell does she say? She comes in and she's like, "Are those pussy willows?" And kind of like yeah. looks over like she's, at her. She's like baiting her, trying to like kind of. Yeah, and then she breaks all, Rosemary's all like Franklin Mint Fabergé egg. Is this a thing? I've never heard of a of a fucking Franklin. This has to be a bit. These things aren't real, are they? I, I mean, yeah, Franklin Men used to have a fucking store of White Marsh. I thought they were cool as oh, shit. Oh, wow. I am definitely showing my yeah, young age now. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, you've heard of Fabergé. Yeah, I know obviously. that. I just thought that it was just kind of like, like a made-up company yeah, no, for the so sake the, of the movie. No, 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 no. The Franklin Mint was like a real thing. He used to have like infomercials on TV. It, was, it used to be like, you know, kind of like a, I don't want to say mail order, um, but they would have the, you know, limited runs. Like, they did these, you know, really intricate. Like, I remember they had a, a Star Wars chess set. Oh, wow. You know, it was like the big draw for me when I was uh -huh. a kid. And, you know, it was quality stuff. It was like, you know, the, the die-cast metal, almost like, you know, what you would go, you know, when you go to, like, Games Workshop and stuff and you get your little figures and stuff. So they were, they were you know, they were doing stuff like that. And they would do, you know, fantasy movie replicas and just, you know, like, like, K 
kitschy kind of collector. Right, I, I remember you. them. You know, when White when White Marsh Mall first opened, they were one of the first corner stores on the on, on the top level. I remember like going in there and you know look at all the cool shit. Way overpriced, especially if you're in high school without a job. <laughs> You know, I think at one point they had like Aragorn sword. Oh wow! So in the store. So yeah, Franklin Mint was a real thing. Whether they ever did fake Fabergé eggs, fucking Bev just deliberately breaks it and blames it on Dottie here. Uh, And then, so we get this bit here with Eugene. He's trying to do dental work for Ralph Sterner when Betty tries to intervene. So I want to call attention to the receptionist. Did you notice that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad you did. It's Bess Armstrong. And um, that gives me the opportunity to talk about one of my favorite, favorite underground risky comedies. Did I ever show you um, um, uh, Jekyll and Hyde together again with Mark Blankenship? No, I thought you were going to fucking name drop Jaws 3. I was going to be like, you son of a bitch. No, no, Jaws 3. Jaws 3, I remember seeing Jaws 3 in the theater at the Strand in 3D. And yeah, yeah, Bess Armstrong, Dennis Quaid. I remember that was my first time seeing her. But she was she was a love interest. So Mark Blankenship's the guy that played uh, Blinken in Robin Hood Men in Times. Right. You remember the blind guy? Hey, Blinken. Did you say, hey, Blinken? No, I said Blinken. So, and, yeah, so Jekyll and Hyde together again is a total spoof on the whole Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. And, like, Blankenship plays Dr. Henry Jekyll. And, like, the gist of it is is what turns him into Hyde. It's it's this, he he's, like, you know, overworked doctor, lab scientist, whatever. And he's trying to, like, mix up some medicine, and he falls asleep. And he accidentally snorts the white powder. And it turns him into this spiky-haired, crazed, like, disco maniac. <laughs> So obviously the whole thing is like a cocaine comedy. Right. Clearly. <laughs> it's it's just it's some of the most tasteless yet hysterical R-rated adult humor that like like when he when he's when the the you know he snorts it like all of a sudden not like does his hair poof out these like the, the gold like all of a sudden like the gold necklaces just kind of pop out of his skin and his pinky nail grows real long so it's like a coke nail. <laughs> But it's it's almost like a it's like a low budget wannabe Mel Brooks movie. I have it on DVD. You and I need to watch Jekyll and Hyde together again. And Bess Armstrong plays um, his love interest. In it. Oh, of course. That's what I wanted to talk about. So the detectives they see Eugene. They're they're they're, they're seeing Eugene about Beverly's taste in books. So. The scene here ends with them asking if his wife is mental as it cuts to Bev at the flea market, shaking her head around like a fucking imbecile trying to kill a fly. This shit's fucking funny, dude. Come on. I just... Alright, okay. Teach their own. I get it. Comedy comedy yeah, subjective. Yeah. I get it. It, it really is. It Rosemary's really is. little price tag switcheroo. You ever try doing that back in, you know, at the North Point flea market back in the day? I know you did. Not I the, know you did. Not I at, know you did. Not at the flea market, but I got away with it once at um, at um, um, at East Point Mall with a with a tennis racket. <laughs> I wanted a tennis racket, so I put it in the case for a cheaper tennis racket. And they just scanned the case for the other tennis racket. So I pulled that when I was a kid, but never at a flea. Market. So that happened one time. I was back in the day, and um, a Sam Goody. 
kids, back in the day, there used to be record stores that sold music. And yeah. so this was in 2000 because White uh, Deftones just dropped White Pony. And when they dropped the album, they had like something like 20,000 copies. It was limited. That was like they had two replicants of it. One was all red, one was all black. And they had each had a bonus track. Well, anyway, um, the Sam Goody and White Marsh Mall had one, but it was like. 50 bucks as opposed to like you know overpriced shit was at the mall it was like 20 bucks when you can get the CD for like half that price at Best Buy and shit but my point is my buddy Chris I didn't do it but he did it and it worked he just swapped the price tag he took in fact he took a sale price tag and put it on top of it and it rung it, 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 of course it rung up his 50 bucks but then he got the price tag and the, the, the girl at the register like went and override this, changed that, and I walked out of that limited... <laughs> I walked out of that fucking store with the limited edition version of White Pony. I got it for like 20 bucks. It was a steal. It was awesome. So, it, it worked. It nice. worked. Um, hey, you drop... You, you name drop Sam Goody. I'll do you one better, pal. Are you old, You're probably not even old enough to remember Record Bar, do you? Never heard of Record Bar before. Yeah, Record, record Bar. was Their whole thing was like... Uh, and uh, uh, they, they like kind of looked like a jungle. You went in there, like kind of how Rainforest, <laughs> Rainforest Cafe. Was. I, I was really getting Rainforest really Cafe vibes. There was a, there was, yeah, there was a record bar. Like I remember, you know, getting all my cassettes at the record bar at East Point Mall in the eighties. Who know? the hell wants um, to go to a jungle to buy fucking CDs and shit? I, that was like their gimmick. It's a but weird I remember gimmick. My uncle had like. Had like like a cassette holder, it looked like a wooden crate, and it had the record bar like logo on it, and it looked like a sticker, almost like an animal cracker logo. It was a sticker of like a jungle background with like I don't know elephants and gorillas. But yeah, record bar was around here before Sam Goody. Speaking was. of mall record stores, remember the Wall? The Wall? No, I can't say. So that. the Wall was a record store, like like they had one in White Marsh. It was your typical like Sam Goody or. Um, whatever the other big record store was in the mall. But, um, because it was the 90s, they were all fluttered with them. And the wall was known for overpriced. Everything was like, you know, everything in the mall was already overpriced, but the wall added like an extra like 5-10% to the price because the whole gimmick was every record or every CD you bought from the wall came with a wall sticker on the, on the case. And if that, as long as that case had that wall sticker, that CD was guaranteed for life. So you could just coming back into the wall with, with the, you know, if you, if you bought like, say you bought Everclear, Sparkle and Fade and, you know, you, you got it from the wall and you, you, six months down the road, you're listening to it, you take it, you pop it out of your Sony Discman and the, oh, the CD falls out and it scratches. What are you going to do? Well, you got that case that has the wall sticker on it. So you're going to take that CD back to the wall, and they're going to take it back. They're going to see that sticker, and they're going to give you a fresh copy of Everclear, Sparkle, and Fade. Had you have purchased that record from Walmart or Best Buy or Target, you would have been what we call SOL. And you would have had to drop another $12.99 for that CD, whereas the 20 bucks you spent from the wall on that CD guarantees that CD for life. 
or as long as the wall, or as long as the wall was still in business, which <laughs> I don't know when the CD stores go out of business. That's when the wall shut down. That was actually one of the first ones to close once Napster became a thing, and the, and the music industry just changed forever. You know, that was kind of like the downfall of record stores. The wall was the first to go. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't think I ever. I don't remember that. Joke. No. No, it was it was it was yeah. legit. So you know, if if anyone's listening and remembers the wall, if you have any pictures of your wall stickered CDs, please send them in. Twitter at the Film Effect Podcast, all that. Yeah, shit. maybe 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 it'll refresh my memory. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe go fuck yourself. Who knows? So meanwhile, a lot's going on at this at this <laughs> this flea market, and uh, so after the switcheroo price tag bit here, uh, Carl. The, the guy that Missy was supposed to date or, or was supposed to go on a date with who stood her up is seen walking around with Tracy Lords because it's Tracy Lords. And of course, John Waters. Yeah, it's John Waters' flick. She's done doing teeny porn. So How is it about to say? John Waters she's movie. done doing underage porn. So uh, <laughs> he gets her a Franklin Mint, a Franklin Mint egg. And he goes to take a leak. And Bev goes in and said, so "No, uh, Rosemary. Uh, she gets this fire poker. This is that. That's what she gets. The she. That's what she got out of the the price tag switcheroo was this fire poker. So Bev takes this fire poker into the stall, stabs homeboy in the back, pulls his liver out, um, and then ran, before she does it, that's right, because we gotta draw attention to the 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 horny guy in the stall." Who sees Bev before she goes for the kill through the glory hole? <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say he's got a little glory the hole. Glory hole in between the two stalls. <laughs> so that's a thing, and that happens. And uh, after all that goes down, we get this random guy walk in with a fucking shish kebab and lets out this howie scream. Now, for those of you who are listening who don't know what a Howie scream is, I guarantee you, you've heard the Howie scream. Just Google Howie scream and listen to it. It's 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 this. Okay, that's the Howie scream. So, not to be confused with the Wilhelm scream. No, and that's a very common misconception. Definitely not the same. Then after she goes for the kill, she goes back and she doesn't even fucking clean anything up. In fact, she trips over his liver and she walks out and that's when Bev- or, uh, Rosemary calls her out and she's like, Beverly, you've got some doo-doo on your shoe. And Carl's found dead. Rosemary notices blood on the, on the poker because, like I said, Beverly can't clean shit up. <laughs> she thinks she's fucking invincible throughout this whole entire movie. Um, but what do I know? And then uh, back at home, Eugene finds all of her personal stuff. And this, my friend, was got the fucking biggest laugh out of me this entire rewatch. It, it's it's not the autographed picture of from Richard Speck in the bodybuilder pose, <laughs> with with which is obviously like a Jack Lalane photo with Richard Speck's pockmarked face, right, right, right. superimposed over it. No. It is the audio tape from Ted Bundy, which is actually voiced by John Waters, which fucking yep. makes it even funnier knowing who the voice is. Beverly, it's me, Ted Bundy. It's late at night, six days before my execution, and it's lonely here on death row. 
Beverly, this is Ted Bundy, and I've got six days left on my execution. I fucking rewound it. I don't know why, Sean, I was laughing so hard. I think it was the fact that, like, it's just something about John Waters. I had this, like, image in my head of him recording that audio as Ted Bundy, and I'm just fucking laughing for reasons unknown. I think it's the funniest bit of this whole entire fucking movie. Beverly, it's Ted Bundy. I've got six days left to my execution. It's fucking John Waters. Funny fucking voice cameo. Love it. Um, And then we get the movie. <clears throat> that, hasn't, that hasn't happened yet. Uh, Chip. We'll just talk about it now. Chip works at a video store. That's outside of uh, uh, was it Soundscape. Is that where it is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was actually, it was at the, at the time, it was like John Waters' local video. That store. was his video store. You know, that was, that, and that was, that was back when video stores were cool with their little mom and pop. Right. Like, you know, I always used to talk about, you know, that little head shop around the corner for me where I grew up, the, that Hollywood video that was just privately owned. It was a little mom and pop video store. Those, I, that's what I miss, uh, uh, most, uh, of the whole corporate gentrification of, mm-hmm. Eking these little businesses out. I love going into those spots because those guys would get you shit that Blockbuster wouldn't put on the shelves. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, right. Those were cool. Those, you know, those were cool. It was like an RST video from Clerks, you know? And this one is like fucking designed like a goddamn maze because, you know, later on when Chip hides his mom back there and from the cops and shit, like. They like hide her in this secret. They 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 pull the shelf out and they throw her back there. Like, it's really weird. And that was kind of like how a lot of these old mom pop video stores used to be designed. It was kind of like walking around a fucking yeah. maze. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The little Hollywood video right up there by Penny's was like yeah, that. Like, like the door to of the office was a shelf that was part of the. You know, like I remember that was part of the western section. <laughs> like, you had to you, you had to turn a handle next to a John Wayne movie. You wanted to go into the office. <laughs> It gets, and you can smell weed coming through that oh, door. Oh, always, those guys are always, all day always, 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 all day long. That place reeked of weed every time I walked in. Um, so then we get the dinner scene with Chip telling his mom that Scotty thinks that she's the killer. She just laughs it off and just dips out. And it just nowhere. Just boom. She, she excuses herself and then we hear the car fucking start and she takes off. So they think she's going to kill Scotty. So, of course, everyone, even the cops, they overhear this and they're all fucking following. And they're, 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 they're staking out the house so they follow him when they take off. She's not going to see Scotty, though. She's actually going to see the, the, the fucking, what are they called? The, the Sterners. Um, what are we at here? So... Yeah, you're right. No, I know, I know, I know. I just, I, I sometimes I get lost in my own notes. So there are these fucking disgusting shots of the Sterners eating chicken while Bev thinks of the fucking birdies and snaps, um, because she loves loves birds. Yeah, Ralph's just like literally, he's like devouring this thing, you know, sucking off his fingers. And shit. Oh, it's fucking so disgusting. It's like the, the the grossest part of this whole entire movie, I swear. Uh, and then the, so they. Family, meanwhile, goes to Scotty. Scotty's watching just ginormous breasted women from like seventies. Like I don't even know what the fuck. It's like it's like an old it's like an old Russ Myers. Yes, man. exactly. 
and like he's watching like some fucking Russ Myers X-rated, you know, low budget driving bullshit. And he's like jerking off on the covers, beating off in the most over the top fucking way possible. Meanwhile, Bev goes, and we get that. It's it's kind of like the poster of the movie with that pose with her with the the scissors in the closet because uh uh the the the, the what's her name goes up there and me I forgot to call attention to on the way to the murder Bev come on listening to Barry Manilow's Daybreak that's funny shit yeah. that's fucking well, she funny was, she was she was rocking out to it and she was sorting her herself I fucking love it um. So yeah, the, the 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 wife gets it scissors in the stomach, and then meanwhile a random rat is gnawing on her ankle. <laughs> okay, and um, what's his face runs out and gets the AC unit dropped on his head, and meanwhile the cops and the family all get to the wrong house, and then when they get back to the house, they think that, you know, the coast is clear. Yeah, everybody storms in, Scotty's, Scotty's down there, you know, he's pounding the put. Yeah. You know, not, not only is his best friend, his best friend's sister and dad are there, and then the cops come in, what this guy's, you know... Hey, best friend's sister. Flogging the exactly. bishop. Exactly. Flog, flogging the bishop watching a Russ Myers flick. <laughs> so the family comes home relieved that mom isn't a killer. And she comes in greeting them with strawberries as the scene fades to black. So now they're off the church, followed by the entire fucking Towson slash northern Baltimore County precinct. <laughs> Shit, like all, all the local blue boys are in a line following the south. Fucking all down. down Timonium Road and shit. Yeah, like, all down Timonium Road. I love it. And they're all, she's named as the prime suspect in the Sterner's murders. She laughs it off while the family tries to talk to her about it. Kind of like have an intervention or something like that. Excuse me. They get to the church. Everyone's watching and, and whispering as the family enters. Yeah, she's basically she's being ostracized by the community. At oh, this yeah. Birdie can't join Chip for the service. Then we get this photographer who's taking pictures and he dubs Beverly as the serial mom for the first time. And catches the attention of Missy, because why not? So Ricky Lake around this time, this is ninety four, so her talk show is like huge. Mid nineties, this it used to come on after Power Rangers every day after school. So at, at four um, o'clock. Well, I mean, she, she was she she kind of she was huge. She broke through and she broke through in hairspray. I know that, and, but that, at this point, though, well, what I'm saying is, I'm, I'm talking about like, oh, okay, like her, we're going her, back her career okay. trajectory. Yeah, she broke through it like John Wood. I don't want to say discovered her, but I mean broke broke her through and hair. He discovered her, you know, pretty much, and um, and so she got popular. You know, she within you know, the pop culture consensus, if you will, and had a talk show. And you know, sometimes it was trash, it was on Fox. Sometimes it was right, right. I used to watch it. I, mean, I remember they did episodes on you know. Kids smoking weed or kids going to raves, but then, you know, some of them got, like I said, you know, some of the episodes were trashy, but some of them, you know, touched upon, you know, topics that were, that were prescient at the time. Right. She was doing something different that like, you didn't like, she was doing her own thing. She wasn't, it yeah, wasn't a show yeah, full and, of and crass. And others try to kind of rip off of it. Like remember what the, the, the girl from Cosby show tried to do the same thing. I don't remember that. 
Te- was her name Tempest Bledsoe? I remember that yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But not, yeah, after Cobb wow. showing off the air, you know, she tr- basically she cribbed Ricky Lake's format and tried to get her own talk show. Ricky Lake, and then was um, more than more than just her. there was what Jenny? What was her name? Jenny something? Jenny, Jenny Jones. Jones. You had Sally Jesse. Sally Jesse Yeah. Those were getting a little. Those were a little more on the trashy side, like Jerry. Right, Schreiber's like what your Maury is today. Ricky, right, right, right. Whereas Ricky Lake kind of, you know, her show kind of, you know, walked the line, and and she talked about topics that, you know, were interesting to her demographic, and her demographic was eighteen to twenty four. Yeah, and you know, like, like I said, Fox was smart for like showing it. Every afternoon, right after their afternoon kids block, because like I said, mm-hmm. it would every day follow Power Rangers at four o'clock. So, uh-huh. um, all right. So, meanwhile, we learn that the blood test comes back with a match. So the precinct they're sent in to go get her, and the service abruptly ends when everyone flees in panic after Beverly sneezes on a fucking baby. I love it. During which she escapes as police attempt to arrest her and she's hid in the video store from by her son Chip and Bertie and Emmy Lou Henson uh, Jensen. Emmy Lou Jensen is uh, a, a customer who comes in and argues with Chip over being fined for failing to rewind the videotape. Ghost Dad. She just loves Bill Cosby. Little dated humor there. Little Putin pop. Yeah, right. You can't. Yeah, yeah. Try putting that in your movie today. Yeah, she returns. <laughs> she return a copy of Ghost, Ghost Dad. Dad. Remember that one? And once, yeah, and once, uh, yeah, right, <laughs> right up there with Leonard Part. Yeah. yeah, as much as I love that and Leonard Part Six, they're you know they're top of my list. Um, yeah, so she returns Ghost Dad and rents Annie. You know, all while Chips watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Leonard Part Six. <laughs> you like that? I pulled that one out of my back pocket. I forgot all about that fucking movie. <laughs> oh shit! Fucking ride like an ostrich or yeah. something. Goddamn movie. Yeah. <laughs> fucking shit. Such winners as Ghost Dad. Although I want to, I want to see this documentary that W. Kamau Bell just did. It's uh. it, you know, it's playing Sundance now, and it's going to be on. You know, it's it's going to air like. Three or four episodes on Showtimes. So is it? I'm gonna have to wait a while. Yeah, it's it's um who is it? Basically, it's it's documentary about the whole Bill Cosby thing. Like I'm curious. I you know I was literally reading reading the Sundance review of it. You know, waiting for you to log in. Uh-huh. Um, so I'm curious to see that. So she calls Chip a son of a psycho, and that sets off this chain of events, starting with Beverly following her home. Um, so she gets home, she rents, um, Annie. That's what, that's, that's the whole ordeal that she gets. And she, she goes home and she turns, puts it on and we hear that goddamn song tomorrow. Meanwhile, she's got this fucking shot of this dog licking her feet while she's cheerfully singing the song. And then Beverly comes in. Scotty's watching because he's like suspicious, so he's spying on her, and he's on a rooftop. Well, because they stole Scotty's car to get her out of church and stash him. And stash That's him right. That's right. Okay. So it starts with him coming to get his car, and then he's like, "Oh, look at Cyril, mom. He's trying to catch her in the act." And he sees her walk in with a knife, 
and she goes to stab, and then, like, she stops, and he gets relieved, and she comes back out with a fucking, like, because, uh, she, it's the woman, like, making this big, like, this, this lamb, like, this leg of, it's like a leg of lamb, exactly, and she just takes, just beats her to death with it while she's watching Annie. Like I said, Sky's on a fucking rooftop nearby watching. I think I think that might have been the other part that made me chuckle. I'm like, who the fuck ever thought putting <laughs> death by leg of lamb into a movie? Beverly spots him and then gives chase, uh, pursues him after car checking a, a passerby, and then this whole fucking grand chase ends downtown at fucking Hammerjacks. And yeah, old school Hammerjacks. Old school man. because I'm one. Ain't there no more. And number two, no. old school WHFS poster fucking plastered right there. I'm like, oh my god, that takes me back. Yeah, that was the ri- yep, that was the original Hammerjacks underneath the overpass. Did you ever get to go to that joint? Oh no, it was before my time, dude. By the time I was start, by, okay, by the time so- I was going to shows, they had just closed it down because I had started going. Yeah, and around they, somebody else tried to re. They tried to reopen tried. It around like where Bar Baltimore, or whatever, and it just it wasn't the same. I went to the, I went to the original Hammerjacks one time. I think I told you about it. I, I told you about the House of Pain riot, didn't I? I've heard the story before. Yes. Yeah, I was at that show. Yeah, yeah, we're, yeah. <laughs> we tore that place apart because yeah. House of Pain came out to like security beat up our sound man. We're not doing a show. You guys tear this joint apart. Get your money back. <laughs> the cool part is Rage Against Machine didn't even have a fucking album out. They opened for. Them. I saw Rage one this time. Was back. I saw him twice. I saw him there, and then I saw him at 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 uh, at, at Lollapalooza, um, and uh, yeah, yeah. So right around the time this film would have been released is when, uh, actually, a little a couple years before that, it was when I went to see you know House of Pain with some friends, and mm-hmm. we tore Hammerjacks apart, and me and Everlast threw gravel at a cop car. So yeah. they go inside the Hammerjacks, and there's a band playing. It's a fucking band of all women, punkers, called Camel Lips. That ain't, that ain't <laughs> Camel Lips, though. Who is that? that L7. Is L7. Yes, it is. Which essentially means Camel Lips. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's... why they were called L7, because they could get away with it. Right. Put it on an album cover and say it on the radio. Not to mention, they're wearing these, like, prosthetic 
camel toes underneath of their yeah, spandex. They're all, yeah, they're all wearing like, well, it's, they're, yeah, they're all wearing tight spandex. So you see these big ass moose knuckles staring you down from the and, stage. Yeah, it's L7, and that's the big thing. And then they're like, they're, Scotty ends up on stage and they fucking start beating him up and shit while they're playing this song. And then, meanwhile, on the side, we got Beverly. So she takes like this flamethrower that she makes out of fucking lighter fluid and uh, out of a lighter and um, what the hell she spray? She's got like she got like a can of hairspray and a big okay, light. Okay, it's hairspray. Like it's hairspray. Aqu- okay, yeah, she's and got like a can of aqua. She and a says pick. my favorite line in this movie: "Buckle up, Scotty." So death by fire, Scotty eats it. Well, you think he's going to make it. And then he's like, you know, flailing around on stage. And this woman takes this fucking down this bottle of fucking scotch or whatever and just spits it on him and just makes the fucking flames just incinerate him. Yeah, the lead singer L7 just like swings a big thing of gin and spits it on his back. Yeah, it's, it's just fucking just, just huge flame. Kills him. She's arrested on the spot. Um, and then I fucking love Beverly on the bus with the inmates singing away. Come on, dude. This is funny shit. Yeah. All right. Okay. Okay. So this all comes down to a trial at the end of this film. That's where we are now. It's a media sensation. Chip and Misty are profiting off their notoriety. Does that Kango hat fit Matthew Lillard? Not at all. <laughs> but, we, but look, look, look! I'm, I'm not gonna lie to you. In '94, um, Kangol hats weren't even a thing my, until Jackie Brown. I thought. No, when no, no, Sam, no, no, no. When I, Sam was Jack, Sam Jackson was walking around wearing them all. Fucking every time you well, saw. Well, he him. was known for like, like he. Well, Kangol's been around for a while. Like LL Cool J was rocking Kangol's back in my day in the late '80s. So I had shit. I probably had seven or eight Kangol's like that. Big Daddy. You would. Stuff. I did, I did. In fact, I wore one very similar to Chips. It was it was a blue. It was like a dark blue, crushed velvet Kangol, and my hair was about that long back then. Mm. So yes, no, it doesn't fit him, you know. And he's just like you know at the time I, you know, I was a tall, lanky guy with shorter length hair and a backwards Kangol hat on, looking just as dorky as Matthew Lillard <laughs> did in this movie. Right. Oh, I love it. He's got that cell phone, acting like he's his own fucking agent. <laughs> So, yeah, he's got the big ass Zach Morris. Oh friend. yeah. So during the opening, uh, so yeah, we got the we get the um the court the trial whatever. Uh, Beverly's lawyer claims that she's not guilty by reason of insanity, but it's dismissed. Uh, so Beverly represents herself, and she's all she's all. Meanwhile, she's all focused on Patty Hearst white shoes. Everything. Yes, exactly. So. Hold that thought though, because the trial itself is just ridiculous. Because she's just the 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 girl who noticed, who who was a witness to her on run over the teacher is just a stoner and is just 
a stoner and you know how movies portray stoners in the 90s and that's what they do here with this the next guy is you know the peeping tom from the glory hole guy he gets uh she does this whole thing where she starts like spreading her legs underneath the table while he's on the fucking stand being interviewed and like She's just kind of like doing this like motion where she's doing it like fast and fast and fast, opening and close, opening and close, and getting them all fucking horny, and he just kind of like plays stupid for the for the audience or for the court. Um, and then what else? Oh yeah, and then during Pike's testimony, the courthouse is distracted by the arrival of Suzanne Summers, who is going to be casted as uh, Beverly. In the upcoming TV movie. Because why not? It's the 90s. So, at the end of the day, she's acquitted of all charges. And, you know, the like you said, she, Patty Hearst, the white shoes labor, after Labor Day. Um, and then Beverly follows her to a payphone. And then, I, I guess apparently kills her with it. She's like she. She just like cracks. She her like apologizes yeah, she and beats her, her, her over the head. And I think the implication is she kills her, unless I'm wrong. I don't know. That's right. That's how I've always read it. And then um, you can't wear white shoes after Labor Day. That's not true anymore. Yes, it is. Didn't your mother ever tell you? Ah! Ah! Now you know. No, please. Fashion has changed. No. It hasn't. Yeah, Summer is like, just looks up in shock and like we get that look and then, you know, just attempted pose for a photo op. I don't know. The, 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 the juror's body is then discovered and the film comes to a close. And gang, that is Serial Mom from John Waters, 1994. Dude. We'll do better of the next one. I hope you like the next Waters film more than this. Yeah, it's, I mean, look, like I said, it's just one for me. I'm, I see why people, you know, find it funny. I see, I see the, I, I see the humor, there's humor in it, but it's just humor that's not making right. me laugh. I'm not knocking anybody who gets, you know, who enjoys it. You know, obviously I told you I wasn't going to shred this one to ribbons. <laughs> but it just, you know, it just didn't tickle my funny bone the way it tickled I yours, you. man. And there's been... You know, I got films like that that you feel the same way about sure. too. So, and I don't give you. That's that's why we do this, man. Subjective. Okay, trivia tidbits. Now remember that, because the more you know. All right. So the copyright holders of the song "Tomorrow," as heard, you know, from Annie earlier, they were charged. They charged sixty grand for the rights to use the song because of the explicit content of John Waters' past films. This was Matt Willard's first starring role, his second film overall, when he noticed that Kathleen Turner had memorized everyone's names from the call sheets. He asked her why she did it. Her response was, Oh, honey, that's the first thing you do. Uh, so... Uh, the, 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 the Beverly Sutphin friendly wave to her family when she's chasing Scotty towards the end. That was improvised by Kathleen Turner. John Waters didn't notice the, the bit until a screening where the audience laughed out loud at it. Um, the original choice, even though I've heard other names, but this was the most common one to play Beverly Sutphin in this movie, was Susan Sarandon. 
but her asking mm. price was too high for such a low budget film. But she'll do ping pong summer. <laughs> well, no, you got to figure. We got to figure. Ninety four shoes. That was right. Didn't she just win the Oscar for Dead Man Walking? I thought Dead Man Walking was ninety six. I could. Okay. But I see your point. She was still. She was a she higher. She was purple. the client that um, uh, 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 Thelma Louise. There was a bunch of movies. Mm-hmm. Okay, well played, Sean. Well played. You win. <laughs> um, definitely a long way from the Rocky Horror Picture yeah. Show. So, according to Kathleen Turner, and I've actually heard this one a couple times. She remembers that Michael Douglas attempted to talk her out of taking the role. He wanted her to do no part of this. The Christmas card in Beverly's serial killer scrap, uh, scrapbook belongs to Dennis Dermody. It was hand-painted by John Wayne Gacy and sent to him when he was a child. Waters borrowed the card and inserted it into the scene as an inside joke. The fact that it was created by Gacy is not mentioned, and the review and the viewer is not expected to know this. So there's that. And finally, John Waters said on the Blu-ray special features that this was his favorite movie of all the movies he has made in his career. All right, let's talk box office receipts. In the operational funds box, we will deposit two hundred and fifty thousand American dollars. You take it out. We put more in. I want receipts. So there was no premiere, although after the film was released, it screened out of competition in the uh, the Cannes Film Festival. The release date was April 13th, 1994 from Savoy Pictures. It opened up across 502 screens, grossing $2 million, coming in at number 11, uh, second weekend, it only dropped 32.6%, which is actually pretty good for an indie movie like this. Grossing $1.3 million, coming in at number 14. Total gross $7.8 million against a $13 million budget. But I will argue that this movie was a very big... Um, it became a cult classic kind of almost immediately. This was uh, kind of a relative big deal. Uh, for its time. And it kind of is today. Regardless of how you feel about it. Um, I have talked to my fair share of John Waters fans. And uh, the majority of them that I have talked to. Have probably put this in their what, top five I would say. So, I mean I guess. I guess. I like his more risque edgier. And that's fine. You know, I get it. Early shit. You know, and, and it's again it's a generation. Yeah. You know, I'll buy that. Understand. I'm not saying that's all it is. I'm not saying that's all it is, but you know, like you know, polyester, Ringo, everybody knows Pink Flamingo. Yeah, we we're going to be covering them all, so don't you worry. Mm-hmm. All right, Critics Corner. Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 64% based on 50 reviews. 
Ebes awarded it two stars out of four. Finding some of Waters' satire effective, but felt that felt that Kathleen Turner's decision to portray her character's mental illness with realism instead of in campy fashion while brave made the character difficult to laugh at. Um, he said, "Watch Serial Mom closely, and you'll realize that something is miscalculated at a fundamental level. Turner's character is helpless and unwitting in a way that makes us feel almost sorry for her." And that undermines the humor. She isn't funny crazy. She's sick crazy. I mean, again, to each their own. I definitely don't see it that way. Maybe he's seen something that I don't see when I'm watching this. Um, but, you know, different strokes. But it's Eves. So, got nothing but love and respect. Uh, other critics were more enthusiastic about the film and Turner's performance cosmopolitan stated in its review that Turner has never they do fucking movie reviews and has never been so over the top hilarious that's a quote from cosmopolitan and <laughs> scene magazine called the film hysterically funny what's next Nintendo power gonna call it a fucking romp <laughs> I'm done with the critics. I use that term loosely for this episode. God damn. All right, pros and cons. Before I take on any job, I look at it the same way as it takes to make the thing positive versus negative. Now, you mix a little bit of this with a little bit of that, and you get a reaction. My pros for this film... Outweigh the cons, obviously. Uh, I wrote down, this film still makes me legit laugh. Quotability. I actually wrote that word down. Quotability. Baltimore, baby, in all caps. Kathleen Turner and Matthew Lillard. And unique balance of comedy and horror. Do you have any pros for this? I mean... (laughs) When you uh, have like to I start with, I mean, that's never a good sign, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I once did. Look, look, I, it's, uh, no, I, 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 you know, I never did. I'm not, I'm not saying it's, it's a, it's, it's a well-executed movie, you know. I'll take it. I will take it. No, no, no. Inherent, I'll take it. That's a pro. I will take it. It's not, it's not an inherently bad movie. It's a, it, you know, I, I'm a big fan of satire, but not this kind of satire. Like I like my Adam McKay satire, right? You know, but that's me now. But even when I first watched it in the '90s, you know, when I was you know, twenty some odd years younger, you know, I just you know, it just did it, it. It didn't do it for me. It never has. But you know, the pro to me is like all the locations, like spotting, like I said, the, the rugged warehouse parking. Or, or 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 the car wash over there on the right, Bay right, Bar, you know, or the video store, you know that to me was like, oh, I've been there. Oh, All that's right, cool. well, I have two cons. Um, it's not long enough, <laughs> and I can see how. <laughs> Jesus, you want <laughs> yes. more? <laughs> <laughs> I can see. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck me, man. Maybe, That's all I could maybe, take. At maybe minutes. you fall into the second one here. I can see how many people would be grossed out by some of the material and humor. 
I'm not. I'm not grossed out at all. I own fucking probably three dozen Italian gore flicks, most of which are cannibal movies. I own a Herschel Gordon Lewis box set. This just doesn't do it for me. Okay. <laughs> Without further ado, here are all Sean's kinds. <laughs> Uh, everything between the opening credits and the closing <laughs> credits. It's an hour and a half worth of cons. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, it's like watching Scared it's Street. a lot of fucking cons. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's almost <laughs> as many as the show Oz. <laughs> All right. Shit. I'm afraid to chime in. I'm afraid to jump into this one. Mulligan moment. If you had to do it all over again. Would you make the same choices? Oh God, I'm gonna let you go first. I got nothing. nothing. I mean, read 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 through the whole fucking thing and see if you can make me laugh this time. Here's your mulligan move. All right. Um. (laughs) I put nothing. I said nothing. This is perfect. <laughs> this is a fucking perfect comedy to you. I said. <laughs> Hang on. It's no accounting. It's no accounting for taste. Hold on a second. Let me defend myself. I <laughs> I deserve a free. I deserve a fair trial. God damn it. And I'm going to give myself a fair <laughs> trial. I said. Shit. I think my nose deleted themselves. <laughs> No, they didn't. False alarm. I said, hold on, I gotta clear the fucking tears out of my eyes right now. I can't read shit. <laughs> this is Are you steaming quality up? entertainment right now. Oh, shit. <laughs> get, your money, get your money's worth today, folks. I said nothing. This is perfect. <laughs> I hate to see your idea. Terrible. Why am I in tears? Why am I legit crying right now? (laughs) Hold on. Because you already knew how much it was going to rip on you before you said it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Get together, Ed. There's an audience listening. Um... Let's bring this... Let's bring this home. Oh, shit. Oh, my God. Anyway... So, um, uh, all right, let's talk movie MVP. All right, now, you might think I'm a little biased, but I take my job as a presenter very seriously. I will show no favoritism. I am here to honor excellence. And the most valuable player is... Do you at least have an MVP for this movie? Um... I don't even give him much thought, man. I'll throw out the Lillard for being his first big screen role. You know, he kind of he kind of plays it. Uh, he plays it big. Like I think maybe that's part of my problem with with the film is it's a little too big. Like like you're supposed to go big and I'm you know in a musical, but he's playing it. You know, he's your Beaver Cleaver. You know what I mean? He does a good job um, in this movie. I like Lillard. Yeah, I'm not. I'm, yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying he doesn't. Um, it's 
you know, his character comes off a bit naive to me, but you know, it's, that's that's part of what you know what 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 was written in the script, or what it was going for, and how Matthew Lillard right, delivered it. Right. So, like I said, I'll I'll throw out the Lillard for you know this you know getting his career started. All right. For me, it's Kathleen Turner. Um, I wanted to give it to Lillard. He's a close, very, very close runner-up. Uh, but I, I just think Kathleen's my MVP of this movie. I think she's uh, hilarious. I, 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 you know, I think she's the perfect role for this. And uh, especially when you consider the people that they were uh, that Waters was considering, I, I think that Kathleen was the most was the riskiest choice to go with and um i think it paid off in spades i really do think that this is um one of her best performances um it might, it might be a ballsy statement um especially coming from I mean, especially to you who you know not the biggest fan of this movie but i know you're a big fan of her and her career <laughs> i i yeah. you know that's yeah. just my opinion i i think this is one of her stronger suits and um, really adds to uh, it's kind of adds a layer to this movie that um, I, I don't think uh, too many other people could have done. So that's my MVP. Now let's bring it home. Let's talk final thoughts. I say we uh, tie a bow on it and put her to bed. So my final rating out of this. <laughs> I feel so stupid even saying this now after hearing you. Shoot. <laughs> don't. don't. No, man. Look, like I said, you have your, your, your as, to your opinion. If it may, you know, if you enjoy as, it, you enjoy it. I'm not going to not. As for what, what this film is supposed to be, with the satire, the type of film it's going for, I, 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 four, four and a half, four point five, um, and I'm confident with that rating. This is coming from me because I'm a huge fan of this movie. Um, uh, you know. It's, it's it's not often that you know we cover a film where you and I are on total opposite sides of the uh, the fence one, but you yeah, know it, it, I guess it does true. make for some uh, entertaining you know podcast to listen to. But um, <laughs> you know, at least we could survive this one, and you didn't really turn me against the film halfway through like some other ones. Nah, I was, I was never, I was <laughs> never, I was never gonna even gonna try to do that. But yeah, for me, um, four point five. Like I said it just wasn't for me. So. Uh, one maybe uh, maybe a, a, a two it gets that extra star just for the location fair enough it's just like I said I could go to the rest of my life without ever having to see this movie again alright well gang this episode is sponsored by the Maryland Lottery let yourself play <laughs> I, I had to self play <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Oh, all That's that so being bad. said, this film, well, it depends on who you're asking. It may or may not get the film effects of approval, but that's okay. That's it. That's for, that's it for this This another show. One down, many more to follow. Yeah. Check out our ever-growing collection of previous episodes on our website at thefilmeffectpodcast.com and support the show on Patreon for as little as $3 a month where we have a variety of tiers, each containing an assortment of perks in exchange for your support, including bonus episodes and Patreon-exclusive shows, with the occasional surprise thrown in between. And speaking of Patreon, once again, shout-out to Nick Brownello for his support. Our Patreons are one to get exclusive 
shoutouts every episode. So be like Nick and act quick. We'll be back next week on the main <laughs> feed where 1994's The Crow will be our main topic of conversation for many reasons. It's controversy caused by the death of star Brandon Lee during the filming, its legacy, the cast and crew, and one cannot talk about The Crow without discussing that epic soundtrack. So make damn sure we'll be discussing that on the show as well. Kids and heroes, we put a lot of time and effort into the show each and every week. So if you'd be so kind, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or directly at our website under the Reviews tab. It lets us know how we're making progress, but primarily it allows us to conquer the biggest, baddest algorithm, or the big bad algorithm, so to speak. So more and more people can discover us and join the Film Effect movement. Follow us on social media. We can be found on both Facebook and Instagram. Where at? Uh, the Film Effect Podcast. And where can they find us on Twitter? At Film Effect Pod. We're on TikTok at Film Effect Podcast. Where can they find us if they want to send us an email? The Film Effect Podcast at gmail.com. All right. And then can also find direct links to all the platforms mentioned at our website which once again is thefilmeffectpodcast.com it's that simple gang thank you all so much for your time and until next week's feathery resurrection take it home Sean alrighty gang Ed and I shall see you all again see the lights go dim opening credits begin to roll and that's a wrap It's been fun, but the fun is done. Take care now. Bye-bye. This concludes our broadcast day.